as teenagers and as young as adults, it's really important to have a time to find your footing. And I think that there's a lot of pressure right now to find your footing in certain ways very, very quickly. Um, we know when we look at the data and everything that people don't immediately find their lifelong career, but that's not what we expect of teenagers is to like figure it out over 10 or 20 years. Like, um, and so I think that we tend to ramble when we have a chance just because we're still finding our footing um, on the little things. Beloved friends, James here, uh, coming at you from quarantine, uh, from being social distanced in my home office. Uh, I just put home office into uh, air quotes because uh, I'm actually sitting at my wife's uh, repurposed, uh, now repurposed vanity desk, uh, and this is my temporary office. It's so funny like to see uh, other clergy and folks... Um, you know, posting about their home offices and people working out of closets and doing recordings and things um, in their bathrooms, <laughs> wherever they can. Anyways, um, all that's to say is um, uh, thanks, Samantha, um, for your vanity desk. Um, but also that you might hear my three-year-old in the background playing with trolls or My Little Ponies. Uh, so just FYI. Uh, but it's good to be with you, and I hope that wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this, that you're staying well and healthy. Okay, so into the episode. Uh, this conversation was recorded back in December, and a huge shout-out to and thanks to the Reverend Audra Apt of Greensboro for introducing me to Anna. Anna teaches at a class for people with disabilities and um, she's truly an authentic and joyful person to be around. A couple of quick notes. Um, the sound quality is not great. It was a rare, a warm day out. And so we began meeting in the cafe, but it was really loud in there. And there was music playing and people were chatting. So we went outside and we were at the shopping center. And the only place to sit was near a Harris Teeter. So frequently during the conversation, we picked up the sounds of like a truck coming by to drop off uh, groceries or shopping carts rolling by. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Anna. And she tells her story of discovering the Episcopal Church, what she found in her community, and Anna gives us a window into what it is like for a young adult to become fully themselves, um, for what it's like uh, becoming fully herself, and the role that her faith played in that formation. So diving right in, here's Anna. We So my family was part of a church plant when I was about 13, um, and it it was an absolutely amazing place. I don't know if it still is. I haven't been back in a while. Um, it was founded by somebody who later went to um, go pursue <laughs> slightly more dramatic ministry in other areas. Um, I don't remember if he specifically went back to India or if it was other things. Um, but... That was a really cool process, and my family was one of the starting families there. Um, 
so my dad became an elder. The whole thing was very, very cool. I was definitely, I definitely felt like I was a part of that church despite being 12, 13, 14. Um, and then I, and I stayed with that church until I went to college. Um, lived with my parents for the first two years I went to college. Um, was pretty grumpy about it, but learned some really cool things. Um, went to a campus ministry for a little while, and that was fun. Uh, InterVarsity, shout out to InterVarsity for being great. Um, I also... And you can edit that this out if you want because it's weird to say, but um, I don't financially support them because there are things about their national policies that really, really frustrated me. Um, for instance, I turned down a leadership role that I really, really wanted because one qualification for being on leadership within our varsity was that I couldn't be in a relationship with a girl for a year, for that entire year that I was on leadership. And that just felt like a really big commitment to make to people I didn't care about that way. Um, so there's that. That was, that was a good time to have that kind of community of people my age who kind of got what college was like and also just time to come together and sing and be in a room and, I don't know, maybe eat something later. I asked Anna about how she landed in Greensboro and her search for a church. The rhythm of a midweek campus gathering and a Sunday service, which broke the week up into two segments, really grounded her in community and in God and became the thing to look forward to as a, a hopeful ending to each of those segments of the week. And she said that there were five aspects that she was looking for in a church and one of them was diversity. Um, one of them is I wanted a place that was um, ethnically diverse. Mm -hmm. Greensboro is a very ethnically diverse place, and I am, like, mildly Hispanic. But if I, I just, for me to go into a church and be like, oh, I'm the... I'm the only non, like, I'm the only person here who's not completely white. Like, that's a really uncomfortable feeling, not because I think anything's going to happen to me, but just, how did you get rid of everybody who's not? That must have been a really uncomfortable process. Why did you do that? Um, so that gave me some feelings. Um, another one was, I wanted a place that was... Um, Sometimes I date girls and sometimes I date guys. And I wanted a place that I could show up with a person that I found and liked and was dating. And that 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 their gender wouldn't make everything bad. <laughs> like, that's just... And in some places, that's a lot to ask. And I don't want to be those places. Um, and then I wanted a place that was on a bus line. I still don't drive. Um, and it makes, um, especially for Sundays, it makes getting places sometimes a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. Um, the 
I go to Holy Spirit now, and it's amazing, but I will say it is about an hour walk off a bus line on Sundays. I did walk the first week. I have not done that since. Good. Um, But yeah, the first week I took the bus, I walked up there, and I just sat on the doorstep, and I think Judy opened the door, and she was like, who are you? I was like, I'm Anna. I'm here to go to church with you guys. Uh, Yeah. So... um, Anyway, so that's the list that I kind of had in my mind. And in all honesty, I went back to Chapel Hill to visit my parents for like a three-day weekend. Um, I went to church with them. And while I was there, their um, priest, I don't know. Oh, my gosh, I might remember her name. Lisa Fishback? Oh, yeah. Wow. I remember her name. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I actually don't even know if they're still going there, um, but they were going there for a little bit, and Lisa stopped by the house just to say, like, hey, who are you guys? Welcome to the church, etc." Um, and I just happened to be there when she visited, and so I said, I definitely won't be at your church very much, but hi, I'm Anna. Do you know anybody in Greensboro? And she gave me Audra's contact information. And so when I gave that list to Audra, she said, you might want to, I don't know if it's on a bus line, but you might want to think about Holy Spirit. Um, So yeah, (laughs) that was probably one of the most roundabout ways to end up in the Episcopal Church. Um, I think, I tend to think of myself as pretty Um, non-denominational. I've spent a lot of time in... um, Quaker meetings, which I really like, um, not quite the same format um, as an Episcopal thing, um, but I, I joke about it sometimes because apparently my mom grew up Catholic and my dad grew up Brethren, and they're pretty much on opposite ends of that formality spectrum, so anywhere I end up in between is true to my family background, I guess. So I asked Anna if she would be comfortable talking a little about her story of coming out and her identity as both by and a follower of Jesus. And here's what she said. Okay. My, my interaction, my experience with interactions between my bisexuality and Christianity have been amusing (laughs) to say the least um so high school is a fun time for everybody and (laughs) it tends to be for people who are gonna have depression it tends to be when they start to start to see that um and for people who maybe have grown up assuming that they were straight and aren't it tends to be a time that they start thinking about that um, and so that was definitely a part of my experience in, um, in the church that I, that I consider myself having grown up in. Um, because yeah, as a high schooler, a lot of it was like, cool. So I know that a lot of people believe that this is bad and God doesn't like this. And also it's something that's apparently true about me. And that's not a great feeling. Um, And so the way that that fed into and interacted with my depression in high school was really interesting. 
Um, and walking out of that and trying to convince myself, like, okay, here's how, here's how I want to feel about, no, here's how I need to feel about myself. Here's how I need the people around me to feel about me. And here's how I need to believe that God feels about me. Partially because of things that I've read and heard and partially just because, like, I, I need to be able to live some kind of a happy life. Um, that very much weighed into my, that being one of my top five things I was looking for. Um, that, yeah, I want to be able to date whoever I want to date. Um, cause that's complicated enough on its own. Um, and I want to be able to share that part of my life with them. And, Nothing is ever simple, <laughs> because in all honesty, that whole thing about where are the Christian millennials is whatever it is, um, but I, I relate to that question a lot also, because I'm 25, I don't talk about my faith at work, because I grew up being a teenager who was aware that a lot of people didn't like, like, either would be Christians and not like me being bi, or would be fine with, with people having different sexualities and not like me being a Christian. And, like, either way, I'm not trying to go to school and talk about either. Um, and so I don't talk about... I. It's been very different this year because I kind of do. I have coworkers that I end up talking about church with. Um, but for the most part, I don't talk about religion at work. Uh, and most of my friends my age aren't Christians. And either didn't grow up with any of that stuff. I have a friend who, I have a very close friend who we were playing a video game a while back. And there was a thing about a burning bush and a voice coming out of the burning bush and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, that's really blatant, uh, you know, religious imagery. And she's like, is it? Because it just didn't, she had no idea. She just had no idea that that was a religious Moses. image. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's not even solely Christian. Like, that's a huge religious image to a lot of people. Um... And so that's also funny, just being in that kind of context where, like, my significant other isn't a Christian. Um, I'm like, cool, what do you do with that? <laughs> Anna spoke about her first church and how they began to acknowledge the existence of homosexuality, in quotes, uh, which Anna says, uh, well, at least they were thinking about it. Um, such a positive view. Um and she spoke about how uh, she was in a relationship at the time, and then going to Ivy made her realize that she what she says is, none of y'all have any idea what you're talking about. And so between that being my only experience with openness, you know, quote-unquote openness, in my previous church... And then that experience in my college, in my campus ministry, um, I think my perspective after that was just kind of like, none of y'all have any idea what you're talking about. 
Um. <laughs> That's a shopping cart rolling by. None of y'all have any idea what you're talking about, um, so I'm going to go try to find some people who know what they're talking about. Um, and so I ended up in a really, really cute Baptist church full of really sweet people, um, which didn't stay, but they're very nice, um, and a couple of Quaker communities, which um, full of really sweet people, really nice, didn't stay. Um, <laughs> Because little stuff didn't work out, but, like, every place that I was willing to go after that, um, I think that there was one place that I went that would not have been okay with my sexuality, and it's because I went with my boyfriend at the time who had some kind of attachments to that denomination from childhood. Um, whatever. He was trans, and I don't think they would have liked that either. Uh, <laughs> so we all just kind of, you know, we all just kind of try to live our best lives. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I kind of just, I don't know, I kind of just showed up at, an Episcopal church and I was like, oh, y'all aren't confused about this. That's nice. Anna talked about how her priest could speak to her through a theological lens of a person of faith and as a queer person. So huge uh, shout out again to Audra. She spoke about how her search was like the woman at the well and that the woman at the well and Jesus kind of each had these preconceived notions or stereotypes about the other. Um, more so the woman um, about Jesus. And um, that what she found instead was that she found someone who could speak to her and know her and not call her outsider, but loved and a beloved child of God. Well, Anna's story is unique. It's, it's also representative of many LGBTQ young adults in their search for community where they can be themselves free to worship God without fear holy and righteous in God's sight, as the song of Zechariah says in Luke um, and says in our morning prayer. Not every Episcopal church in this diocese is there yet, uh, and this is not a commentary on them. It's okay. But I would say, how beautiful is it to hear of someone accepted as they are, to find a spiritual home that says, you, all of you, not just part of you, all of you, that you are valued and a part of this community. Anna is actually now on the leadership in her church community. And uh, lastly, I asked her what advice she would have for young people, especially those looking for that spiritual home. And this is what she said. Recognizing and magnifying beauty are worthy pursuits of a follower of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is 
scary and dangerous and embarrassing and weird for people to suggest that you are creating great things of beauty and whatever. But actually, if somebody ever comes to you and says, hey, in the work that you're doing that's about God, you are making beautiful things more beautiful and drawing attention to the beautiful things that are already there. Like, that's what all of us are supposed to be doing. <laughs> so that's just kind of great. Is <laughs> like, hey, guess what I saw? Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not going to do anything shinier than the cross. Like, that's not really in my, that's not really up my sleeve. I don't have that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that is a skill that she has, and I think that that is a skill that I would like to have. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, That's it for this episode of And Also With Y'all. Tune in next time for more conversations with young people in the church and with people who minister alongside them. I'm your host, James Franklin. Please feel free to reach out anytime, but especially during this time of crisis and social distancing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at J underscore D underscore franklin and visit the church online at episdionc.org for more ways to connect and download the yeah app y-e-a-h app on the app store and maybe it'll help you if you're searching to find communities of belonging blessings and thanks a lot for listening